Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. It's Mother's Day today, so a bit later on, we're going to replay a conversation we had a while back with the folks from the Anna Jarvis Museum in Grafton, West Virginia. Anna Jarvis, in case you didn't know, is the founder of Mother's Day, so we'll get some insight about her and the museum itself. Plus, the hotel industry has been hit hard with the COVID-19 pandemic, but like many industries, they'll soon begin to slowly open up again. But what do they have to do to get the confidence of travelers back, and what are some of the measures they're taking We'll pose those questions to Taylor Cole, host of Hotel Hunt TV, a little bit later on. And speaking of things opening up a bit soon, now might be a good time to start looking for some future travel deals and options. So we're going to start things out by chatting with our good friend Russell Hannon. He is the author of the book Stop Dreaming, Start Traveling. And Russell always has some great tips and advice to save money while traveling. His website, by the way, is BreakTheBarrier.com. And Russell joins us now. Hi, Russell. Hi, Randy. Great to be here. We're starting to see a little bit of uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Light, light at the end of the tunnel. Some airlines talking about flying a little bit here and there, and hotels opening up. So, if I am looking for some travel options, perhaps you know a few months down the road, uh, what should I be looking for? You have some tips there. Well, you know, I I saw uh, the results of a survey of 2,000 travelers in the United States uh, that showed uh, two-thirds of people uh, who who generally travel uh, several times a year are thinking ahead to travel in late 2020 or 2021. And, of course, there's a little bit of risk with some unknowns of the possibility of a second wave or how long the pandemic will stretch out. But that said, a lot of people I know get a lot of satisfaction from booking trips further out and just the anticipation and the build-up from that. So certainly, uh, uh, I don't think it's irresponsible at all to be looking ahead toward travel. And and with a lot of the uncertainty, there's cash-starved airlines, cruise lines that are desperately looking to get some money into their accounts right now. And uh, what I'm seeing, a uh, number of hotels are actually offering deeply discounted gift cards that you can buy today uh, for upwards of uh, $200 for a $300 gift card. And you can redeem that gift card anytime through the end of 2022. So mm. that's what that, that's one example of something that you can do today to do today and get upwards of 33% off travel use at a later date and you're not even committing yourself to a specific date. Yeah. Um, to find that exactly, uh, there's a website that's posting all the hotel gift cards. It's uh, hotelcredits.porterandsale.com and they, they're posting all sorts of hotels all around the world. Uh, a lot of five-star resorts in that category as well. And uh, that's something you should keep an eye out. I'd expect to uh, see more of that as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, obviously you got to get to whatever those hotels are. Uh, I would think uh, you're going to uh, at the beginning of uh, when things start to get uh, opening up again, uh, you'll see a lot more travel by vehicle versus by air. Would you not? Uh, yes, I, I absolutely. Well, well, a few things. If you're looking to travel by air, it's just important to keep your finger on the pulse of great deals. Whether you are in Calgary or Edmonton or Vancouver, there's websites for each of those cities that, that, that specify the best flight deals in the next nine months out of those airports. So there's yycdeals.com for Calgary, 
YVRdeals.com for Vancouver or YigDeals.com for Edmonton. Mm-hmm. So great way to find just the, the lowest prices based out of those airports. Uh, if and, and another trend is is I expect we're going to see a lot of people staying closer to home uh, for their vacations this summer. And and just on top of the gas being cheap, uh, you can find free campsites using an app called Free Campsites. Dot net, especially knowing how tough it is to find campsites in the Rocky Mountains. That's a great tool that you can use to find off-the-radar places. And uh, uh, if, if we can cross the border heading into the summer, all U.S. national parks are going to be free to visit August 25th and 26th. That includes Olympic National Park uh, in Washington State, Glacier National Park, Yellowstone. So places that are close to home uh, where you could plan a road trip around those dates, have cheap gas, I get into the U.S. national parks for free and also find free campsites anywhere in North America. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, also getting back to, uh, you know, just booking travel and, and things like that down the road, it is mm-hmm. almost risk-free because, uh, you know, the cancellation policies certainly have changed over the last few months, haven't they? Yeah, that's right. Well, it is possible that these are the most lenient terms we will see in our lifetime, barring another pandemic, is where major travel operators have waived change in cancellation fees uh, and are offering, uh, at the very least, vouchers, no questions asked, uh, to postpone your trip at, at, a, at a later date. Even a lot of cruise lines are offering vouchers, not only for the price you paid, but an additional amount in excess of what you paid that you can apply to a cruise at a later date. So you can actually get, uh, get uh, more value than what you would pay if you take that trip later on. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of goes hand in hand with cancellation insurance because I'm not sure that you can get cancellation insurance now to cover COVID-19 or anything like that. So that's uh, one of the things the travel operators are kind of covering on their own almost. Well, that's right. Well, well, it is a known issue now. So, so, so you really have to understand the terms and conditions and com- uh, of, of your, your specific itinerary with the travel operator and compare that to the terms of your travel insurance to understand uh, what is and what is not covered. So, so those are two things. A little bit of homework, but certainly is important to understand that, especially if you'd be concerned about getting the money back or what your options and rights are if uh, you had to postpone or cancel. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you're always confused, you can always uh, call a travel agent agent and they can uh, do all the work for you, right? <laughs> well, well, you know, yeah, well, you know, if there's a second wave or if there's another big influx of people trying to, to, to call airlines, cruise lines trying to make changes, I called WestJet and had to wait. Well, I didn't even wait. It said it was a 42-hour wait time to speak with someone. And uh, if you book with a travel agent, you can just send one email to that agent and they'll take care of administrating the change for you. And uh, you've got that off your plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Hannon, uh, his website is Break the Tra- travelbarrier.com. He's a travel expert and author of the book, Stop Dreaming, Start Traveling. Uh, Always a pleasure and some great tips uh, from you, Russell. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, like many businesses, the hotel industry has been hit hard with the COVID-19 pandemic. But like many businesses, it looks like they will soon begin to open up again. But what do they have to do to make their guests feel safe again? And just what is the experience of staying at a hotel going to be like post-COVID-19? Well, to answer those questions and give us some insight is Taylor Cole. She is the host of Hotel Hunt TV. That's available on Amazon Prime. The website is HotelHuntTV.com. Hi, Taylor. Hello, Randy. We should say that you are in the uh, Dallas, Texas area. So uh, give me uh, just an update on how things are going in in that area of the world for you coping with this uh, COVID pandemic. 
Okay, and clearly you and I are adequately socially distanced from one another, but <laughs> for sure. <laughs> warm greeting to you from Texas, where you know, here we are finding that things are slowly starting to open up. We went through um, a phase lockdown or shelter in place in mid March with the spring break for high school or school school students as well as college students. And so since about mid-March, many of us were sheltering in place. Um, some of the essential businesses were still open, of course, healthcare workers and grocery and then food delivery services. But now we're starting to see some businesses opening. Primarily, uh, restaurants are serving more, and they're opening their patios and their di- some to some degree their dining rooms. And then we're also seeing a few more people out and about that are taking advantage of other services like nail salons and hair salons that are slowly opening too. But when I talk to my friends and uh, colleagues, they're saying many of them are, but they will continue working from home, that they'll only get out for recreation and to go to grocery stores and to retail outlets that are now open. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sounds like much the same thing as here. We're just kind of waiting for things to slowly open up. And that brings us to our topic about the hotel industry, uh, also looking to do a a slow relaunch. Uh, Let's talk about that and and what they're doing to to reopen again. Certainly, it's not going to be business as usual, is it? No, definitely not. And what I've noticed, I started looking at some of my favorite hotel brands to see who was open or what kind of messaging they're offering on their websites. And the first thing I found was that some hotels flat out were saying they are closed, that they are not open for business um, until further notice, which was sad to see. Mm -hmm. For others, I noticed on their sites that they were very clearly saying that if they were coming from a country that was not... um, permitted to travel into the United States or an area that wasn't permitted to travel to that hotel, that their reservations would not be honored. But it it was written in a way that showed me that the the burden was on the the traveler to really figure that out Mm -hmm. as to whether they would be permitted to come. It also clearly defines the cancellation policies as well as guidelines for when they would arrive on property, whether that's wearing a face mask, potentially having their temperature checked, things that you can expect hotel staff to do. And so right there up front for some of the really smart hotel and travel brands, they were disclosing all of that right there on the homepage of the website before you could even get into the booking path. So at least that way you know kind of what you're getting into and you're not surprised if you show up, uh, assuming that you can get to your destination if you're if you're booking a hotel or anything like that, uh, by not having a mask, for example, or whatever that's required, right? Right. If you, as defined right now, if you're um, got essential travel, if you're an essential traveler, then you're permitted to to go places, whether that's for business, education purposes, to care for an elderly loved one or someone who's critically ill, you know, a few reasons that are listed as essential. Otherwise, perhaps leisure in markets that are already open. And what I'm seeing from family and friends and from travel colleagues is that there will be a lot of 
drive destinations that will be booked, mm-hmm. but not as many long haul via plane. Yeah. And I think that's the the feeling that uh, I'm getting from a lot talking with a lot of travel experts. That it'll be a local kind of opening thing. People will drive to their uh, destination for a couple of days, uh, those types of things, and, and sort of avoiding the air travel. But to what the hotels uh, and like I'm I'm looking on Marriotts, they their Global Cleanliness Council. It sounds like something that the World Health Organization came up with themselves. It's such a title, <laughs> but uh, they are taking measures to make sure that people know that uh, hey, this uh, we're cleaning, we're doing all these, uh, taking all these measures to to give them some sort of sense of safety, right? Which I love. I love that level of transparency, and I've been talking about three to four themes that I'm seeing primarily trust, safety, and flexibility. And so out of that, I want to trust who I'm booking with. I want to know that they have protocols in place for cleanliness and also for their team members to follow when they greet me as a guest. And so I'm I'm excited to see that Marriott has taken the steps to, to really predominantly disclose, prominently disclose where they're going to go with, with these protocols and make it really clear to people. And then also I think there's some personal responsibility that I have, I see myself as having, whether that's to bring a mask or to have my own hand sanitizer or cleansing wipes or something with me so that I can make sure I'm doing what I need to do to protect myself. Well, and and with that, too, everything comes at a cost, right? Um, You know, using Marriott's example, and they're going to extra measures, but uh, sooner or later, the cost factor comes in, and it's kind of a, a you know a catch twenty two. They want people to come to their hotel, so they're going to offer all kinds of bonuses and incentives. But sooner or later, they're going to have to look at their bottom line and go, you know, we we can't afford these uh, reduced rates because we have to pay for all the extra measures. Right? Do you get my what I'm saying there? Absolutely, because I think these hotels are looking at um, while maybe they're, they've reduced their staff because they just don't need as many people if they have entire floors that are closed off mm-hmm. because of, of lack of demand. Now the buffets are closed, for example, or they're not doing many meetings and conventions. And so they don't need those catering managers and meeting planners on site to run those um, events. Or perhaps they had special attractions or a water park or something mm-hmm. within their facilities, and now they're not needing the staff to run that, the lifeguards and everybody. And so there's definitely a shift in focus for their team members as well as the services and the amenities we would come to expect at hotels. So it completely changes the experience when I go to a major resort and there's no longer the gigantic buffet or the happy hour that's accompanied with the DJ and everyone's dancing. You know, it's very different. Or the group exercise class that I liked. And so now I'm going to need to rent a yoga mat and put it in my room and Mm -hmm. do a solo workout or maybe go outside. There's a big shift in the types of services that hotels were promoting. And then I also think there's that level of personalization that we had come to expect. And so I think at the same time, Hotel staff will need to figure out how do you still keep those loyal customers engaged and make everyone feel special when you arrive and not feel as if you're at a hospital. 
Well, that's just it. That's the other dilemma, right? Is that uh, those experience that you, experiences that you mentioned, that's part of the, the factor of people, why they, they book resorts and go to hotels, right, to experience that. Yeah. If it, all it is is a room, you know, it kind of depletes the whole uh, experience, doesn't it? Yeah, you may as well stay at home. And speaking of home, so, for example, if there's a Verbo or you want to rent a whole house, you know, that's another option that I'm seeing people lean toward because they have somewhat more control over that entire building where mm-hmm. they can clean it themselves, they can invite their family in, still be socially distanced. But to your point, Randy, it's almost like you, you've gone to someone else's house only to cook and clean. <laughs> you may as well stay home. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's certainly interesting times, lots of things to uh, watch for. So I'm sure we'll have you back on uh, down the road and uh, do a follow up and see how this all materializes. Uh, Taylor Cole is the host of Hotel Hunt TV. It's available on Amazon Prime, the website hotelhunttv.com. Uh, always a pleasure chatting with you, Taylor. Thank you. Always great talking with you. And hopefully I'll be able to say safe travels to you again soon. <laughs> Well, in honor of Mother's Day today, I thought it would be fitting to learn a little bit about how Mother's Day all came about. And one place to learn all about it is to go to the Anna Jarvis Museum. It's in Grafton, West Virginia. Anna Jarvis is the founder of Mother's Day. So to find out more about Anna Jarvis, Mother's Day, and the museum itself, I'm going to replay a conversation we had a while back with Olive Ricketts. She is the executive director of the Anna Jarvis Museum, Their website is AnnaJarvisMuseum.com, and here's that conversation for you now. So what's Mother's Day like at the Anna Jarvis Museum? It must be a very exciting, very busy place, I would think. Yes, it is. We actually uh, have what we call a Mother's Day Founders Festival uh, for Friday or Saturday and Sunday, and uh, we hold it every year, and we, um, on Saturday... We normally, uh, of course, do tours of the museum because during Mother's Day weekend, most of the people like to bring their mothers to where it started and let them learn about the history of it and things like that. But also, we, uh, you know, we invite crafters to come in and we do a special program where we honor a mother of the year every year. And uh, the mothers are nominated, and then we pick one that we think uh, simplif- or exemplifies um, what we think mothers should be, you know, uh, be not only a mother, but to be active in her community and, and also possibly in her church. And we um, are the mother of the year. We have some music and, and some maybe some speakers, depending on what we're doing that year uh, exactly. And we've had, you know, some... Um, high politicians, wives, and things like that over the past years, too. It's not limited just to Taylor County. It's Anybody can be nominated. And uh, once that program's over, we get right back to doing tours. And, of course, as you probably know, that weekend is probably the biggest weekend in the whole season uh, because we do nonstop tours until, you know, we close for that day, and then we start again on Sunday. Sunday, we did not choose the actual Mother's Day to do this for our program because on Sunday in Grafton, in downtown Grafton, there it's the International Mother's Day Shrine where the very first Mother's Day service was held in 1908. So because of that, and they still do that, 
we do ours on Saturday, and then they do theirs on Sunday at 2, and they honor a mother of the year, plus they honor our mother of the year. So it's a big deal here in Taylor County, uh, Grafton, West Virginia. Uh, well, I would think so. And so now we know where you're located, Grafton, West Virginia. Uh, what, how would you get there? Like, what's where's the major city you'd fly into, and how would you get to uh, Grafton, well, West most Virginia? People, yeah, most people fly into Pittsburgh and come down through Morgantown that way and come into Grafton that way. Uh, now, our museum is located four miles south of Grafton on, on uh, Rural Route 119-250. So once you get into Grafton, you would come on out four more miles to our the Anna Jarvis Birthplace Museum. But the International Mother's Day Shrine is in, right in downtown Grafton. So it's not hard to find. Once you get into Pittsburgh, you just take 79 south and get off of 168 and then you'll follow the signs to where it says to Grafton, and it's not hard to find at all. <laughs> so it's a very colorful past. Not only uh, the Anna Jarvis Museum, home of uh, or the birthplace of Anna Jarvis, the founder of Mother's Day, but it's also it was used by General George McClellan in the Civil War as a headquarters, right? Yes. When Mrs. Jarvis, uh, they first came here, her and Granville Jarvis, the parents of Anna, and built the house in 1854, well, they were on a major route here. It was called the Willing Stanton Pike. So during the Civil War, they asked for permission to use it as a headquarters for McClellan. One of the soldiers came and asked, and she said yes, but remember, I'm not taking sides. And she didn't. She doctored the soldiers of both sides during the whole Civil War. But he came, and he spent the night in the house, and he brought 10,000 Union troops here, and they encamped here for the whole four years of the Civil War. So we had soldiers everywhere for four whole years. Wow, it's, it must be an incredible now, history. McClellan, of course, moved on because he couldn't stay in one spot very long. <laughs> yeah, of course. But, uh, yeah, so now for people who don't know the story of Anna Jarvis, maybe uh, give us a rundown on that. Well, Anna was born in the house, but it later moved into Grafton, and then eventually ended up in Philadelphia, where she worked until she retired. But when her mother passed away in 1905, um, she was, as they watched her being lowered into the grave, one of the things Anna remembered was her mother repeatedly saying, we need a day for mothers to rest. It did not mean to become a holiday or a commercialization thing, but to rest. So she thought that would be a great idea, and it would be also be honoring her own mother. So she worked from 1905 to 1914 before President Woodrow Wilson signed Joint Resolution 263 to make it a legal holiday. So since that time, we've had it as a legal holiday, and it is the only international holiday we have. It is celebrated today in 152 countries. That's pretty amazing, so that's eh? that's where the idea actually <laughs> came from. And um, Anna, you know, she worked very hard because back in those days, women weren't heard very much, and the men thought it was a stupid idea. They even wrote her letters saying that to her. Mother, we love our mothers, but she doesn't need a day off, so, you know, leave it alone. But she was uh, a Taurus. And mine and her birthday are the same day. So this was another reason that attracted me to the project. But, um, you know, you work until you get your, uh, your, your accomplished what you start out to do. Isn't that something? For anyone who says one person can't change the world, hey, there's a good example. Right. Anybody can change something if you work hard enough. So tell me what a typical tour is like. Uh, it's not a, I mean, it's it's not a big uh, building, so I can't imagine it would take very long. But what am I, what are some of the artifacts and some of the things you learn when you're there? Well, we take you through the house as a guided tour. We tell you the history of um, the family and the house, and then we also tell you the history of McClellan being there. The dining room is set up where we have his some of his artifacts, such as his desk and field glasses 
and we also have a pen and inkwell that belonged to him, and several pictures of him and his wife. And the rest of the house then is uh, is set up just like eight, uh, you're walking back in time. Uh, it looks like you're in the 1800s. And one of the best things about our museum is that 95% of it is original. You're walking on the same floors. You're looking at the same wallpaper, you know, uh, that they had. We did reproduce the wallpaper, but we put the exact back up. Um, and and we have a lot of artifacts from the family. We have, you know, some of their musical instruments. We have... Um, uh, some of their clothing, uh, some of their furniture. So it, you go, you get to go in all the rooms. It's not a blocked-off room. You get to walk through every room and hear the story of what that room was used for and uh, and look at all the artifacts. So we have over 5,050 in this house, and you think it might be small, but it is four bedrooms upstairs and a living room, dining room, and kitchen, and a big pantry downstairs. Wow. That's amazing. So it's not as small as it, it was. You know, it was a little bit better than the average uh, villager of those days' house because mm-hmm. he was a mercantile owner, and so because he he had his own business, he was able to build a better house. and And the house cost six hundred twenty seven dollars back in those days to build. Which in today's so uh, dollars would be in the millions, I would think, right? Yeah, it would. It would be very. Uh, it would be a, a lot because it just you know. Hmm. Uh, at that time period. So you get a guided tour. It takes, uh, if, you, if you're in a hurry, we can do it in about 20 minutes, but most people never want to hurry once they get there. So we can take up to an hour, or even sometimes two hours, when the, the, the group wants to ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, uh, you just don't buzz through it and forget about it. It's, uh, we tell you a lot of good stuff outside about what the town was like when they came here, the little community. And it starts out there, and then you, we just go all through all the rooms and let you see everything and ask questions. And and then we touch on the Civil War, and if they're a Civil War buff, we give them a lot more information because <laughs> we have all the different units that were here during the Civil War. We have a book on that. Mm-hmm. We show them where they built the blockhouse, the Liberty Stables, and the barracks is at, and all that stuff. So it's it's two stories in one. The website is AnnaJarvisMuseum.com, and Olive Ricketts is the executive director of the Anna Jarvis Birthplace Museum. It's a pleasure chatting with you, Olive. Happy Mother's Day. Well, thank you very much, and and, uh, thank you for doing this for us. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.